Hello, you are listening to the Nourish Gut Podcast. This space is for the woman who is suffering from digestive issues like IBS and SIBO. I am your host, Carly Raven. I am a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, gut health expert, and mother. My mission is to help educate you about IBS and SIBO and take you on a journey to resolving your digestive issues. I will have real conversations and give you solutions that I know actually work. So if you're ready to be bloat-free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to the Nourish Gut Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be bringing you Jacinta uh, and we're going to be talking all about holistic skin and acne solutions. Uh, we're going to be doing a deep dive into uh, the behind the scenes, I suppose, the ins and outs maybe of acne, how it's related to gut health um, and also how we can holistically treat acne. Um, also okay. going to share some information about how she works collaboratively with other skin therapists and health professionals to get really great clinical outcomes with patients. Jacinta is the founder and nutritionist of Arenda Women's Health, working with hundreds of individuals one-on-one in consultations and educating skin therapists worldwide. She has worked extensively with some of the most complex skin conditions, such as acne, rosacea, psoriasis, dermatitis, eczema, staph infections, and more. She is the lead educator um, of the team and currently works one-on-one with clients alongside mentoring practitioners and skin therapists in understanding the complexities of the internal health on the body's largest organ, the skin. So a huge welcome to you, Jacinta. How are you? Thank you so much for your introduction. Yeah, I'm great. I'm so excited to be able to delve into this topic because just like we were saying before we got on to the podcast, it's such an area that we don't have a lot of extensive training in in terms of um, in the naturopathic and nutrition realm. So I'm so excited to be able to share everything that I've learned through my clinical experience and through all the collaboration that you mentioned as well. So good. So let's get right into it, shall we? Let's kind of, Mm -hmm. I think most people... Uh, have been exposed to acne they know what acne is most people have probably suffered from some form of acne whether they're male or female um, in in their life Um, can you just maybe tell us a little bit more about your in-depth view on acne and can you even touch on maybe the pathology behind it because it may not be Mm -hmm. well known Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, when we're looking at assessing acne, we have to look at both the internal and external drivers. So I think it's important to actually then define exactly what acne is so then you can have an understanding of how we look at it holistically. So basically, acne is actually defined as an infection of the pilosebaceous unit, and it's caused by a particular bacteria called C. acnes bacteria. Now, basically within the pilosebaceous unit, there's just going to be two aspects of it that we'll talk about, which is the hair follicle and the sebaceous gland. And essentially what happens when a breakout occurs is there's a blockage at the top of that hair follicle, so almost at the surface of the skin. And basically if there's a blockage at the surface of the skin, then it creates an aerobic environment. So that's blocking the oxygen flow into the hair follicle And that allows for the perfect environment for the sea acnes to proliferate. Basically, then what happens in terms of the cascade of getting a breakout 
is the immune system's like, oh, so there's this abundance of C. acne's bacteria that's proliferating, there's an infection, let's bring the white blood cells in so we can try to engulf it and, you know, help to kind of clear it out of the system. Now, basically then whenever a breakout occurs, we've then got to think about, well, what is actually causing that blockage of the hair follicle to begin with? Because without that blockage of the hair follicle, then the C. acne's bacteria won't proliferate and you won't get a breakout. Now, the, that can then be divided into three main drivers. And this is where it's really important to think holistically in terms of the function of the skin. Because I know naturopathically and nutritionally, we can always think when it comes to acne, oh, what's going on with the gut? What's going on with the hormones? What's going on with the stress? Which, yes, they're all very important, but also important to then consider what is actually happening with the function of the skin. So essentially those three main areas is the first one is your pH balance of the skin that we need to consider. And essentially that the skin needs to be acidic. It needs to sit anywhere between 4.5 to 6.5. And if it's sitting between there, then C. acne's bacteria doesn't actually have the ability to proliferate and to cause an infection. Mm. Then the second cause that we often see is what we call retention keratosis. So if we can kind of visualize that, how I said, there's that kind of combination of all these cells, they're sitting on top of that surface, they're blocking that hair follicle. Retention keratosis refers to the, I guess, the skin cells not being able to divide and desquamate properly and to shed. And basically, if they're kind of all piling up on each other, then you're going to be able to block that oxygen flow into that hair follicle and the bacteria will grow. And then the third is where a lot of naturopaths and nutritionists focus a lot of their treatment, which is the sebum production and quality. So essentially, if the sebum is really thick, then that's going to be able to create a blockage. And as well, if there's too much sebum that's being produced, then again, you've got more sebum causing that blockage. So typically what we want in a normal skin, we actually want that sebum to be really thin, really free flowing, but in acne, it's really thick, almost like kind of cottage cheese. And that's when you get that kind of blockage in the hair follicle. So essentially the pathophys of what actually acne is, it's an infection because of those three causes. Mm, that's such a great um, explanation. And I can almost see it visually too. Um, so thank you for that. So what um, are the signs and symptoms that people should be looking for, um, you know, when they have uh, skin issues or in particular acne, like what, what might that look like? Yeah, so that's a really good question because there's actually almost two sides of different types of acne that you can get. To put it simply, there's your bacterial acne and then there's your fungal acne. And this is where the, your gut health really intertwines with that picture. Mm. So essentially your bacterial acne, like we said, it's from C. acne's bacteria and fungal acne pre presents very differently. So essentially with a fungal type breakout, the way that it would present is often on forehead and it can also present on the cheeks, but they're not actually like white pimples. They're more just like red raised little bumps. But then you've also got to look at those other signs and symptoms that tick the box of fungal overgrowth as well. So I'm sure like, you know, within the gut, you can often then see if there's a candida overgrowth that there might be more food sensitivities or there might be more bloating. There can even be that brain fog you experience or even just systemic fungal rashes as well. Or if someone's kind of prone to toe infections or dandruff, 
So usually when you can see it's like that gut fungal driven acne, they're the boxes that will often be ticked. And in the skin, you can usually see that the skin will be itchy and it will be quite dry and flaky. So when you're getting like a bacterial breakout, it's not often that it's itchy. It's usually itchy if it's kind of towards its end process of healing. But mm. a fungal breakout will often be quite itchy in nature. That's so interesting. And so do they, they look similar visually to the eye or do they kind of have a different look as well? They can have a different look because the fungal acne doesn't really present a cystic in nature, for example. So like a bacterial breakout will kind of progress, can progress into that more severe type cystic breakout where it's involving more of the deeper layers of the dermis and that can take a little bit more longer to recover. But your fungal breakouts, they're very, they're quite surface in nature of how mm. you see them. And the science is usually in your efficacy of the treatments that you've used as well. So let's say, for example, if someone's had acne, they've been on the pill, they've been on doxycycline, which is an antibiotic, or they've been on Rapitane, and they've also used topical antibiotics and they haven't seen any change in their skin then the fungal acne is one to tick because none of them are actually going to address a fungal breakout. Mm. Whereas like, you know, if you're using an antifungal, you would address that pretty quickly because it's the right treatment for that type of condition. So fascinating. I can't help but sit here and be like, acne's like SIBO. Like, because we have bacterial overgrowth but we can also have a fungal overgrowth in our small bowel Um, and we kind of treat it a little bit differently and it presents a little bit differently but it's also a little bit confusing to kind of work out which one it is um I had never kind of seen that before so that is really really cool um you know even just like what you were saying in you know treatment like when we start to treat uh like uh, CFO, which is fungal overgrowth in the small bowel, you know, you're going to see those improvements in the treatment similar to what you were just mentioning, you know, with acne as well. So anyway, I can't help but talk about SIBO at some point (laughs) in a podcast. So it's so great to integrate the two. And I guess that's why it really comes down to your case taking as well. Mm -hmm. Like as a practitioner, it comes down to case taking. And as a client, it comes down to really analysing how your skin responds to different things. Um, like, for example, we know some of our clients that have had like a fung- uh, sorry, yeah, fungal breakout, they may not necessarily respond to some topicals given from skin therapists because they feed the fungal overgrowth. Mm. So we kind of see that topically. And then I'm sure you probably see internally with CFO, oh, when they eat this, that kind of exacerbates their symptoms because it's fungal, not bacterial. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those pillars. It's almost like a little box that I have to tick off, you know, when I'm looking at the taking, as you're saying, taking a good case. Um, And if someone has acne, I'm always like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, You know, it's another pillar of what I'm looking at. And I think um, especially with acne rosacea, um, there's like 80% correlation between acne rosacea and and SIBO as well. So it's so related like and connected. Yeah. so while we're on this topic, let's I'm I'm quite passionate about uh what's called the gut skin axis and connection. So I've kind of started the conversation, but let's kind of dive a little bit deeper. Do you see a lot of patients that have come to you for skin issues? Um when and then you're kind of like, hang on, what's happening in the gut? Or you can see, you know, a clinical presentation where there's lots of gut issues as well. Um, yeah, are you seeing the connection? And can we talk a little bit about some patterns and um, what you do in your clinic from a gut skin p- 
perspective? Absolutely. There's such a connection between the gut and the skin. And usually we see gut issues as either like the triggering factor for their skin presentation, as well as the sustaining factor that sometimes puts a bit of a roadblock in their ability for their skin to actually heal. So I guess when we're thinking of the driving factors that can trigger the onset of skin conditions, whether it's acne, rosacea, perioral dermatitis, or so on, it's usually that classic story of frequent antibiotic use, which disrupts their gut microbiome and has a direct impact on their skin microbiome as well. So let's take acne, for example. So we need sufficient amount of lactobacillus to be able to help with reducing transepidermal water loss. Now, transepidermal water loss is just a fancy term to describe the retaining of water within the skin to optimize hydration. And as I mentioned earlier on, we need hydration within the skin to reduce the likelihood of a breakout and to support skin cell turnover. So we need the gut to be able to, be able to function optimally for that to happen. And the gut microbiome helps to also regulate something which is called substance P. And substance P can really impact lipid synthesis within the sebocytes. And it can also influence our body's response to IGF-1, which is what we talk about so much when it comes to the impact of dairy on acne. So usually when people are saying, take out dairy to try to improve your skin, it's because of the impact of IGF-1. And we need our gut microbiome to be able to regulate our body's response to that hormone. But in terms of then sustaining factors, that can put a little bit of a roadblock. These are usually the things that you can see. They're not the thing that happened straight away for that client. Like, you know, maybe that client had hormonal breakouts to start off with from when they were teen, but then you can see because of their gut health, it's kind of putting a constant obstacle in their way for their skin to be able to actually heal. And, you know, we know when it comes to hormonal dysregulation, you know, the hormones are an issue because there's often something going on in the gut that's impacting their ability to be able to be cleared out of the system. So there can be heaps of different sustaining factors that are coming from the gut that's stopping the progression of their skin. But we, you know, to start off with, we need things like stomach acid production, like adequate stomach acid production to be able to break the food down, extract the nutrients we need so then they can actually go to the skin. So for example, one of the key nutrients that we always see that is deficient is iron. And it's so important that we have adequate iron to be able to build collagen. So you can take all the collagen you like, but if you're deficient in iron, it's actually going to be a roadblock for you, especially when clients come to the point where they're trying to work on reducing the scarring and they're doing skin needling with their skin therapist. If their iron isn't adequate enough, they're not going to get the results that they need. And if the iron is low because of either dietary intake or because of low stomach acid production, it also comes back down to the gut. But we also need adequate stomach acid production to support the regulation of our bowel motions, which is such a key aspect of any acne protocol because we always want to make sure our clients are pooing at least you know two to three times a day so they can actually clear the hormones, like we're saying, out of the system. But then we also then see in some of the more tricky cases when there's another concomitant skin condition that's presenting alongside acne. So let's say, for example, acne rosacea or perioral dermatitis. We need stomach acid production for these conditions because they're actually often associated with low stomach acid. And usually what we see is then an increase in food sensitivities, which causes uh, flushing in the skin and can also cause things like redness as well. 
And then again, the whole stomach acid picture goes hand in hand with constipation. It's just such a common theme that I see in clinic. Whenever clients' bowels become sluggish, instantly their rosacea flares up, their skin becomes more red, or their breakouts happen a lot more frequently as well. And their skin just generally then become quite dull. But another key pathology that we're always trying to look for in terms of the gut is we're always looking at SIBO. And SIBO we know can impact histamine clearance because it reduces the production of the DAO enzyme. And especially for those concomitant cases, like I was saying with acne, rosacea, or perioral dermatitis, that increase in histamine is going to drive both the sebum production in the skin and also increase the vasodilation as well. Another key factor that I'm always trying to remind my clients about and always trying to speak to the skin therapist about it too, because I work a lot with training skin therapists to be able to support their clients internally as much as they can. Essentially, we need to remember that our digestive tract, it takes up such a large part of our caloric intake. So we need to make sure that our gut is functioning optimally so that energy can actually go to the skin as well. And our nutrients can actually go to the skin. You know, if anything is going on with the gut, nothing is really going to the skin. So if we kind of think about it, as we're walking down the street, the body really doesn't care about, oh, how are we looking in this moment? Is our skin glowing? Um, you know, is there less redness? Do we have no breakouts? No, the gut is just making sure that we've got enough energy to do the things that we need to do. So it's making sure that we can actually break our food down properly and function effectively. So if the gut's not healed, then the skin really can't have the energy and the resources that it needs to actually heal effectively as well. But another thing that I just love about assessing the gut with a stool test or a SIBO test is you actually get to see exactly what's going on. There's no guessing and you really, you can't deny what you're seeing. So it helps a lot to give you heaps of clues as to how the client's nervous system is going as well. Because I'm sure you see heaps in your clinical practice as well, that there's sometimes gut symptoms that are just persistent and persistent and persistent, no matter what kind of treatment you do that's specific for the gut. And then when you actually address the nervous system and the impact that the stress is having on the gut, you see things drastically change. And that's the same with gut and skin stuff. Once you address the nervous system and you're working on supporting the gut at the same time, you can see such a drastic change because if you're not addressing the nervous system, you're not really addressing the gut completely at the same time. Oh, there's just so much, isn't there? Like there's so much to like to connect it all. And I just love kind of speaking to every guest that I have on because they're often an expert in, in their field. It just, oh, I love being a practitioner and always yeah, being able to learn nice. more and add to that knowledge base. So, so awesome. So, I think maybe let's talk a little bit about um, how we can holistically uh, treat acne um, and how your approach might be different to other practitioners because obviously you have such a great knowledge base. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that and some yeah. tips maybe for the, the everyone listening on how they might be able to start uh, holistically making some changes to their acne. Yeah, absolutely. So... I guess because um, in our clinic, we collaborate with a lot of different skin therapists and I understand the importance of looking at the function of the skin as well as looking at what's going on internally, like I mentioned before. So 
The first thing is needing to make sure you're actually working with a cornea therapist um, and, or a dermal clinician and a naturopath or a nutritionist at the same time, because there's nothing worse than being on the best skincare prescription and doing nothing internally and seeing no change or vice versa, where you're doing everything you can internally and not doing the right topicals and you're actually impacting the function of the skin. So then in terms of the way that we treat it a little bit differently in our practice, I guess because we've seen so many cases, we can see a lot of common denominators and really highlight the red flags almost instantly as to where the energy needs to be put into in terms of a treatment plan. Because we can then really filter through the case taking and really look at when things were when things were at its best, how you responded to traditional or medical acne treatments, we can then kind of navigate and understand how your body's then going to respond to the particular types of treatments we might give it. So let's say, for example, if someone was on the pill and they were still getting breakouts, then that's often actually a key sign that it's gut-related. And just these little understandings that you can have in clinical practice or in our clinic, because we've seen so many cases, can really help us navigate very quickly as to where the client needs to actually spend a lot of their energy and their attention onto. The other thing that's important, I guess, because we're looking at things holistically, one key thing I always focus on in clinic is trying to screen for infection. Now, this is because essentially with acne, a lot of people have an impaired skin barrier function which it's almost kind of like picture the tiles of the roof of a house. That's almost mm-hmm. like the outer layers of our skin. And if that's impaired and there's anything kind of coming in between those tiles, then you're allowing for, I guess, for any potential infections or anything to enter that skin and cause havoc on the immune system response and cause havoc in the skin. So mm-hmm. holistically, we make sure we're really screening the clients before we begin treatment. So if there's any signs of a staph overgrowth, one of the most important things, because especially for people that have had such severe acne for so long, they've possibly done all the extreme horrific external treatments that can significantly impact their skin barrier because all they're trying to do is shed their skin. Mm. And that's not the the solution. And essentially... Does that make them more likely to like be able to get infections because of those extreme treatments that they've had? and end up with something like staff yes absolutely Mm -hmm. so we often see it so often that clients will come to us and they've been to so many different skin therapists before and most commonly they're doing lots of chemical peels microdermabrasions constant exfoliation and nothing has changed and that's because they're actually shedding those external layers of the skin at a rate that they're not supposed to be shed and then that causes immature cells to come to the surface when they're not really to really ready to do their job properly. So then you're compromising the skin's function, which is actually to protect us from the outside world. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. So I guess how we then holistically treat acne is because we're, we're, we bring our awareness to how important that is and how important the history is and whether there are any signs of infection, they're the most important things to treat first. Because if you can't clear the infection, then nothing else will shift in the skin because there's going to be this constant almost driver externally that's going to make the skin respond negatively. Mm. Um, holistically, I guess, how else we treat it, we almost kind of have a hierarchy of repair. So we're always focusing on making sure we're addressing gut first. 
even if it, even if this is like if the client's not presenting with any gut issues. So you could go to the toilet regularly, um, have really good solid stools. You could have no bloating, but we're always making sure that we're focusing on the gut first because of how much the versatility of the different types of bacteria within the bowel can actually impact, you know, the pH of the skin and impact the immune and inflammatory response within the skin. We then work through other types of hierarchy. So we kind of work through the gut. We then work through blood sugar. We then support the nervous system and we often address hormones last. And I think that's where a lot of the difference is in with how we practice. It's because a, I guess if you kind of look at a lot of different supplements that are sold over the counter or, you know, even some supplement companies when they're making skin products, the most common thing that they're putting in there is some herbals to try to directly try to support progesterone production yes. or something to try to support estrogen clearance. And that's often not what we're doing in the first, you know, two to three consults. We're not doing that until we've actually got pathology to say, yeah, this is actually an issue for you. Great. Because, you know, the last thing you want to do is go and chuck, you know, a whole bunch of different herbals to address a hormonal imbalance that you don't have evidence for. And sometimes I found like I, before I really started to specialize in, in gut stuff, I was seeing a lot of acne in my clinic because it's such a common clinical presentation. And sometimes when I did, I remember in my clinic, I would go in with something that had, you know, chase tree or something like that in there. And it actually in some patients could worsen it too, because they're not quite. And now I can see, well, they probably just weren't ready for that. There were more important drivers that needed to be calmed down before we start modulating those hormones and, yeah so that's such a nice approach that you take yeah absolutely and even just like on that specific example like we often will see a lot of different over-the-counter supplements specifically just for that that will have biotex in it but you really need to get an understanding of that client's hormones on day two or day three of their cycle and five to seven days after they ovulate because if there's any sign of LH dominance on this day two or day three of their cycle, they're not going to respond positively to the Vitex because the LH is also going to drive all of the androgens. So it's also going to drive the testosterone to be high, the DHEA to be high, and they're the main contributors of excess sebum production within mm. the sebaceous gland. Mm. So that's where when we're thinking holistically with our clients we never touch hormones until we see pathology and I think it's just an important point for practitioners that are wanting to work in acne and for also clients that are you know potentially working with prackies you've got to make sure that you're doing the workup with the testing because I know it's something even if I think back to uni the one probably webinar or lecture that they cover on acne was specifically <laughs> all about androgens and all about how much testosterone can impact and cause a breakout when it's not necessarily always the case yes yeah I was taught the same thing <laughs> yeah. and you know I because I'm I'm a nutritionist but I'm actually studying studying naturopathy so even last year in one of the in one of the lectures they had acne as a case study and the lecturer actually pulled pulled me up and was like okay just into doing to go through this I'm like oh this is the hardest for me to do because obviously I'm yeah. there's not, nowhere near enough information in your four dot points that's on the slide <laughs> yes. yeah, even understanding 
Do you um, have an hour? I'll just pull up a chair yeah, and I'll. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm like, where's the bloods? I need to, I need so <laughs> much more information. And it was so interesting because even in that case study, like it was the answer that they were essentially looking for was what type of lymphatics are you going to give for this client? And I was just truthful and honest. And I was like, to be honest, I probably wouldn't even do any lymphatics for any particular point in time until you can actually start to get other sources of inflammation reduced because the last thing that you would want to do is stimulate the lymphatics and that causes more of a breakout because the function of their skin isn't good. Yeah. And even because I've got another two practitioners in my clinic that are naturopaths and whenever lymphatics are prescribed, it's usually after a particular point in time. It's never, it's very rarely first consult or second consult that any form of um classic naturopathic lymphatic or uh, hormonal herbs are actually prescribed. Mm, You just got to make sure that all of those eliminational channels are ready to work as well, you know, and if we're not, it's kind of like that um, stream approach, you know, turning, you know, you're better off to go and turn the tap off at the source rather than, you Mm. know, um, fish, uh, f- fix the issue downstream you know yeah. it's just you know don't put a bucket under the, the hose go and turn the hose off yeah exactly that's right and I think this is where like I guess with the question being like how holistically are we like how do we treat so holistically or differently I think it's also just in an understanding of skin anatomy so myself and the two practitioners that work in our clinic We've all done further studies in skin anatomy by corneotherapists. So it's two-module course that's quite in-depth in terms of understanding skin anatomy and physiology. And this actually highlighted to me how important it is to just, you know, think about a stem cell and every single skin cell is started from DNA replication. And, you know, if we're thinking about what, what causes an impact to DNA, it's systemic inflammation, isn't it, or nutritional deficiencies. And that's where it's so important to then, you know, why the gut is important to that because that's where I guess your nutrient absorption and everything and your inflammatory status is determined from. Mm-hmm. And so are you doing uh, microbiome uh, like analysis and testing in your clinic with your skin patients as well? Like do you find that comes up a lot for you? Yes, absolutely. So we either do, we it's either like, you know, it can be all of them or one specific, depending on what we're feeling, but we either do like a helicobacter breath test. Mm -hmm. And that's if we're thinking that's like acne rosacea and often like a SIBO test as well. If we can see it's both like acne rosacea or acne perioral dermatitis. Um, Often we will also do a microbiome test and that's usually based on making sure, well, I guess whether they're ticking the boxes that they've had antibiotics, whether they're showing, you know, major gut symptoms, if there's potential fungal infection as well, um, mm-hmm. or if there's any kind of autoimmunity. And the stool test can be really helpful because, you know, low lactobacillus bacteria, for example, is one of the most common drivers of water loss in the skin. And if there's water loss in the skin, then there's dehydration. And then if there's dehydration, the skin cells can't turn over and shed properly, which means you're going to get a breakout. Um, The other common denominators we see is within a gut test, we can often see if there's a staph overgrowth in the gut. And it's often common that we'll then see it in the skin Mm -hmm. or within that, like in the nose of clients. And that's where they then get dermatitis or acne as well. Um, we often then see strep if we see strep within the gut we're then thinking again that can be often driver of acne and peroral dermatitis 
And just then looking at immune markers like your secretory IgA, your short chain fatty acids can also impact the pH balance of the skin. So there's so much that you can gather from a microbiome test that you can do those you know, little diet tweaks or those specific supplement protocols to address what's going on in their gut so their skin can function better. Mm, it's just so fascinating. I just love how, you know, there's so many little things hanging out in our tummy that can impact, you know, um, even simply our skin. So fascinating stuff um we were just speaking uh there's some episodes uh previously um that i've done with um microba and uh if you haven't yet listened to those i highly recommend that you go back and listen to them because we spoke a lot about you know the the microbiome and how it can you know correlates to so many different body systems as well so there's some really great episodes for you to go um and listen to to get more of an in-depth overview of how the the gut might be impacting your skin as well so before we like have to wrap everything up, because we are getting to that point, I know these things, I could sit here and chat all day to you guys. I, <laughs> I know it's great. It's so good. Um, but I do, before we need to say goodbye, I just wanted to chat to you a little bit about um, how you work with uh, skin therapists in your practice. And um, maybe because obviously I do have uh, practitioners who listen to my podcast as well about how you might go about that collaborative approach um, and your view on it in terms of getting good outcomes. And if you have any advice, suggestions about, you know, creating that collaborative approach um yeah what are your thoughts i think the the first thing is recognizing where your limits are um and that then helps you to gain that i guess the confidence to be able to be like right actually there's a gap that needs to be filled to be able to give my client the best care and then it creates that need for you to have to have those referral systems because you know, we, even for us, for myself, for Phoebe and Katie in my clinical practice, none of us ever prescribe anything topically to clients because we've actually done that basic anatomy and physiology course. And we realize we're like, okay, we can understand anatomy and physiology, but we cannot understand skin, skin prescriptions. And that's where essentially Arenda started because I was, I was educating a lot of different skin therapists. So I have a specific training, which is called advanced acne training for skin therapists, where I teach them basically what I've been through today in a whole lot more detail. And essentially by creating those, those referral systems, they recognize when they can get their client's skin to a particular point that they then need further referral. And for myself, whenever I see those clients and if I'm like, right, are you taking care of your own skincare? And they're like, yes, I'm like, great. We're seeing a skin therapist that we work with. And I often very, very, very rarely get any form of resistance from clients because I guess they're understanding the importance of it because I'm able to educate them on understanding the function of the skin. So it highlights the necessity for them to have to have someone else take care of their skincare. So I guess the main thing is you need to find skin clinics that align with your values as well. Now, the thing is, is a lot of skin therapists, they're understanding and they're delving more into how holistic health and nutrition and everything can impact their client's skin. So yes, you're going to find skin therapists who have essential fatty acids on their shelf and they have probably bottles of zinc and collagen 
and they might have some random gut powders and stuff, but it doesn't mean that your work still can't be collaborated with them because that that those supplements just touch the surface. There's so much more that you need to do. And, you know, skin therapists can't run school tests and they can't assess the gut in terms of the way that we would. And also they, re- they acknowledge that they can't and that there's a gap for them to fill and there's a gap that we need to fill with their support as well. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So I guess for practitioners that are wanting to specialize in skin, I would say try to find even maybe a brand that resonates with the way, I guess, holistically how you see the skin. And, you know, if it's a skincare range that is full of comedogenic ingredients, then you know that that's probably not going to be the type of clinic that you want to align with because essentially you want to align with clinics that are using good quality products because those, those are the clients that you're going to get quicker results with too. And you know that you can easily tick that box to say, okay, cool, their their skin will be fine. I don't need to worry about what they're doing topically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how, like, we do a lot of skin education and that's it's ended up just being really word of mouth of how we then collaborate with a lot of different clinics. But I would probably say for practice, just start off with finding a good skincare brand you can align with and whether they, they have other clinics that will find the clinics that are then using those skincare brands. Mm, that's similar to what I did when I was um I had a bricks and mortar clinic before I went online there was a really great uh beautician clinic um and skin clinic in in the town and um they were using products that I felt comfortable with and it can be a really great referral network like we had you know multiple clients coming in and I was even sending them back as well and you definitely get better outcomes so I think it's definitely a um a good approach to take and it's something that I still do with my gut patients, you know, when they've got SIBO and if they're not responding responding to my SIBO treatment, then I'm, you know, sending them out to other specialists for maybe, you know, something like rifaximin or something like that. Um, so as all uh, health professionals, we need to make sure that we're, you know, collaborating with other uh, professionals and um, clinics and stuff like that when, when it's needed because we're going to get better outcomes for our patients and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's at the end of the day, you just want to be able to support your client because they've already gone through multiple rounds of different types of medical interventions and realize that unless they're on them permanently, they're not going to see change until they do the internal work and the external work at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So important. So before we go, can you just give me your top two tips? Like for someone listening who has acne mm-hmm. and I know like this is general advice um, and it may not be the things that are going to fix their acne, but what are two things that you believe everyone with acne should be doing to get better outcomes with their acne from an overall perspective? (laughs) Okay. I will try to make it specific so it's actionable things. Yes. Um, I feel like there's so many things that you could be doing. And yeah, first is I would say in because we're kind of talking so much about gut, make sure you're pooping. If you're not pooing, then you're yeah. not working your skin. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the most important thing because, you know, often I see even clients when they're going from one bowel motion a day to two bowel motions a day, instantly, like not instantly, but, you know, within a matter of weeks, their skin is already starting to improve because, you know, the amount of toxin load they're eliminating from their body is just doubled. Mm. So making sure you're regularly 
poo-pooing. If you're not, then that's where you need to start to really support your gut. And whether it is you have hormonal acne or you can tell your breakouts are hormonal, you need to be working on your gut anyway. So always making sure you're passing stools regularly is number one. So the second thing that you need to do is get onto some essential fatty acids. So essential fatty acids is omega-3. And that is going to help with multiple of those different types of causes that I mentioned um, right at the start of the podcast. So essentially, essential fatty acids will help to improve the quality of the sebum that's being produced. So rather than having like a thick cottage cheese type um, sebum that's being produced, it'll be a lot thinner and a lot free flowing. So it's not going to cause a blockage of that hair follicle. The essential fatty acids will then help to hydrate the skin And if the epidermis is hydrated, then it means that it can function effectively and it can actually desquamate properly. So you're not going to, you're going to be able to allow the skin cells to shed. There's not going to be that kind of pile up effect of skin cells on top of the hair follicle. And the essential fatty acids also then just help with protecting the, the skin barrier itself. So preventing any infection or anything inside the skin. And allows for um, for hydration and really great um, for reducing any form of inflammation within the skin. So if there was two things, it would be your const- uh, making sure you're passing bowel motions regularly, that you're not constipated, and supporting your essential fatty acid st- status. And that again ties into the gut because if you've got a poor gut and you're not absorbing your fats properly, you're not going to absorb your essential fatty acids, and that's not going to be great for your skin function. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so I think that's going to bring us to the end um, of, you know, our collaboration today. And thank you so much for coming on um, and sharing all of your expertise and knowledge and advice around um, how you holistically uh, treat acne. Before you do go, can you let everyone know a little bit about how they can work with you um, and where they can find you? Absolutely. So we have our Instagram, Arenda Women's Health, and our website, arendawomenshealth.com.au. You can either work in the capacity of one-on-one consultations with myself or the rest of my team. And we also have just the free discovery calls with our patient advocate. So then you can then be filtered into the the practitioner that's actually going to be best aligned with your case because we all have our own little variations of where we work. And yeah, so it's a one-on-one capacity and there are some programs coming out in the near future as well. Ooh, watch this space. How exciting. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, And we will put um, all of the links um, and where you can find Jacinta in the show notes. So please head there now and please don't forget to review and subscribe to the Nourish Gut podcast so that you stay up to date uh, with all future episodes. We will see you next time. Thank you. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.